Hi, my name is uh, Daddy Mary. I'm a scientist. I'm a professor in the Technion, which is the Technology Institute of Israel. I'm running a laboratory for cancer and cannabinoid research. Even though in the last years we're doing a lot more around cannabis and, and research, research in uh, general in other areas. Background in uh, biochemistry, master in biochemistry. I have a PhD in um, molecular and genetic plant biology. So I'm coming with a strong plant background. I'm a son of agriculture. I grow in the fields. I was in, for seven years the head of the botanic gardens in Tel Aviv University and the medicinal plants garden. Moved for four years to do postdoc in the cancer research in Toronto. And in the last few years, I'm merging these fields my knowledge in plant and my knowledge in cell biology, cancer biology, neurobiology, to bring them together to higher level. Cannabis is a great opportunity uh, to merge this together. The Curious About Cannabis podcast is produced by Natural Learning Enterprises, a mission-driven company dedicated to enhancing critical thinking skills and public scientific literacy about life in the natural world. If you like Curious About Cannabis, consider checking out some of these other learning initiatives by Natural Learning Enterprises. Come on, Molly! It'll be an adventure! Phoebe called out as she followed Brother Toadstool. Brother Toadstool led Phoebe and Molly into a tunnel that went deep down into the ground. As they climbed into the tunnel, they found themselves getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Our new children's book, A Toadstool's Treasures, takes young readers on an adventure into the fun and fascinating world of fungi. Learn more and find mycology-related learning resources, games, and lesson plans for teachers and homeschooling families at toadstoolstreasures.com. Biodiversity loss due to habitat loss and fragmentation is rapidly increasing around the world with devastating consequences. Learn how you can help contribute to native habitat corridors in your community and reconnect with your wild neighbors at gardenwild.org. Oregon recently became the first state in the United States to legalize the medical use of psilocybin. As cities all over the country begin to decriminalize the use of entheogenic plants and fungi, it's time to have a serious discussion about psychedelics. The Serious About Psychedelics limited series podcast is coming soon. Learn more at SeriousAboutPsychedelics.com. You can learn more about Natural Learning Enterprises at naturaledu.com. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. This is Jason Wilson with the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. So today, I am beyond excited to be talking to the guests that we have today. I'm here with Dr. David Meary from uh, Israel. If you... <laughs> If you've heard me talk at length about cannabinoid science and research, you've heard me mention Dr. Mary and his team's work. Um, welcome, Dr. Mary. Thanks so much for being willing to come on the podcast and chat with me today about cannabinoid science. 
Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Most excellent. And to to really kick this right off, because I've got plenty I want to dive into, um, do you mind um, sharing a little bit about the lab that you're working in now and some of the, um, I guess, focuses of your research up until now, and then we'll kind of spin off into um, all sorts of areas of things that you're currently studying? Yeah, so my lab in... 90% of my lab working with cannabis, I have another few projects in the lab, but most of the lab is uh, working around cannabis. When we started six years ago, we want to see how cannabis affecting cancer cells, the anti-cancer properties of cannabis. We know that patients use cannabis uh, treating the palliative treatment of, uh, of cancer, so improving their quality of life, the cancer patient, improving the... Uh, uh, appetite, mood, reducing nausea, reducing pain. But we want to ask how, whether cannabis can also be uh, uh, with anti-cancer properties. We laid on um, data and research that uh, come from uh, Manuel Guzman and Christine Sanchez, but we all know also about Rick Simpson and other things. And, and the question was, is it true that cannabis can be anti-cancer? And when we started to work, we were quite shocked. I was quite shocked about the knowledge and the tools that I have to do this research. I'm coming from very accurate, modern type of research. And this was 100 years back. So the reason that there was illegal to do research around that, and there are other reasons, and also the regulation, when I applied to do cannabis research to the Minister of Health. In Israel, cannabis is under, under the healthcare from 2007. So it was 2014, I was applying for doing cannabis research, and I got day after that a license to work with cannabis, and my licenses are for research 0001. So you understand how much collaborations I had that day. So I was the first one to apply. It's true that in Israel, we have Rafi Meshulam that I'm sure if people are in, in the field of cannabis, they know his name. He was 93 weeks ago. Um, I was interviewing, I'm a good friend with him uh, about his work. You know, I hope he will get a Nobel Prize about his work. So Rafi discovered the cannabinoid in the 60s, discovered cannabis and, and the, the CBD and then the THC and then other cannabinoids and then he was part of the discovery of the endocannabinoid system. So Rafi is, you know, is in the other side of the country of Israel, which is one hour drive, so it's not a big problem in Israel. And, <laughs> and so I, I went to Rafi and I started to learn deeper and deeper. And I realized that even though there is knowledge, there is no tools to do the research. So our major problems in the beginning were then you getting plant materials from growers, you harvest them, you're doing extraction, you're taking this extraction, you're using, and you see phenomenal results. Doesn't matter if we're talking in epilepsy, in Alzheimer, in, in cancer, okay? Yeah. How can you repeat the experiment? How can you get the same plant materials? And what are, what is contained? Every type of cannabis, it's actually kind of a different medicine. 
Every, every type of cannabis contain hundreds of different of active compounds. We're changing, degradating. How to keep the cannabis? I'm doing an extract. What is the shelf life of cannabis? To keep it in, in four degrees, minus 20, room temperature. How long it's going to last? What is the bioavailability? But the major problem was to analyze the compounds, to, do, to know what I'm holding in my hand and how it's affecting the cell. And if I'm summarizing five and a half years, I think our biggest achievement is creating tools to do the research. We started to build a library to look on all the phytocannabinoids from the plant. When we started, we could look around, I think, 11, and then it was 17 phytocannabinoids. Today, we can see more than 140. So when I'm taking a cannabis extract today, a cannabis flower, and then I can look into it and to say, okay, these are all the phytocannabinoids, these are the terpenes, these are the flavonoids. I'm not blind anymore. So it's, yeah. it's funny, we kind of played Sudoku. We said, you know, this cannabinoid, this THC looks like that in our equipment. This CBD look like that. This, this CBG look like that. This CBC look like that. So, CB, so THC Vish must look like that. And we looked on that in the, in the mass spec. And then when defined, we said, okay, if THCV look like that, THCVA must look like that. And we looked for that. And, and for a, a year and a bit, we played Sudoku and built the whole picture. And when we finished with the phytocannabinoids, we said, okay, now we need to do it for the terpenes and the terpenoids. When we finished, we said, we said, okay, now we need to do it for the flavonoids. And we finished with that. We said, just a moment, the cannabis affecting the endocannabinoid system. I want to see how it's affecting the human body. But I don't have any tools to measure that. I can look on five, six, 13 endocannabinoids. How many endocannabinoids is really out there? Okay. Right. So again, we started to do the same thing for blood tests, for uh, biopsies, for things from tissues. And we developed method to analyze today in the blood test, I can analyze around 150 endocannabinoids, different endocannabinoids. So it, it, it's a mess. Okay. And, and also the receptors, people used to uh, look like there are two receptors for the endocannabinoid, CB1 and CB2. But we know that GPR55, it's part of that. We know that GPR118, we know that the TRPV1 are participate. That, okay, I want to look at the whole picture. Let's see which receptors are part of the endocannabinoid's action. I don't know what to call them endocannabinoid system, but endocannabinoid action. So today, my lab looking on 38 receptors every time that we are doing changes. So having that kind of a big picture that I can see the phytocannabinoid, I can see terpenoid flavonoids, I know how it's affecting the human body, looking on all that together, first of all, give me the tools to ask questions, first yes. of all, okay? And then the questions are starting to emerging. Of course, it's everything is in parallel. It's not that I did just chemistry and that I'm still biologist. <laughs> and then, so having these abilities and these tools, first of all, change the lab in a way that many, many, many scientists, physicians, collaborations, companies, approach me and said, just don't want that I'm doing this experiment, but I know nothing about the molecules that I'm using. I can 
you know, I purify them, I can't work with them, I don't know the, the dose that I'm using, let's collaborate. And this opened the door for me in the last years to enter to many uh, different angles of different illnesses and, and diseases yeah. using cannabis. You know, some the, you know, the, the best uh, neurophysician in the world approaching me and said, hey, daddy, I'm doing this experiment, I need you with me. You're not saying, you know, this is, oh, this is <laughs> okay. an honor for me, I'm, I'm with you, you know? So more and more and more, my lab changed in the way that new type of research starting to, to grow. And there was mm -hmm. things that we saw out there, like with the, the patient, you know, epilepsy or a, a sleep disorders or, you know, multiple sclerosis, that we saw the effect. On the, on the patient and say, just what I want to do to understand now the mechanism, why cannabis affecting, which compounds, how to improve them. So my lab grew from a lab of six, seven students to a lab of 45 students, wow. which have different groups. I have a group of chemists that are doing all the analysis and everything. I have a group that are doing cancer biology, and we can talk about it uh, deeper if you want. I have a group that are doing uh, research around neurodegenerative uh, diseases like Alzheimer, epilepsy, sleep disorder, multiple sclerosis. And I have a group that's working how cannabis affect the immune system. On part of that, I have few types of small, like small. I don't know if my PhD will think about him small, <laughs> but, but, but that it's not a, a big group, that it's individual that are doing other things. And in the last five years, Another big project that we did, we create a big database in Israel on the patient. So mm -hmm. in the last five years, every cannabis has been picked in Israel. Again, there is, you know, there is a, a problems to be a small country. You know, you need to fight for your borders every day. And, but there is benefit of that, that everybody knows everybody and everybody's working together. So un, until last year, we had just eight authorized growers, just eight greenhouse that grow mm -hmm. cannabis. So it was easier to work with them to follow up. So every yeah. cannabis that being been picked in Israel, every uh, cannabis that, uh, every product that the patient can get, go through my lab first. We analyze all the phytocannabinoids and the terpenoids. And on the, on the other side, we follow up on, on the patient how it's affecting them. So does it wow. improve, uh, you know, appetite, improve sleep, mainly kind of the side effects, you know, uh, which I don't call it side effect. If you have a problem of, uh, you know, sleeping and improving sleeping, it's not your side effect. But uh, yeah. uh, but we, we measured it and we, we started to, honor, to bring that to bed together to complete it, to, to try to match which type of cannabis and which profile of cannabinoids affecting which illnesses and why. And this we took to the lab to, you know, to animal model to prove that and to understand the mechanism. So we kind of doing a, a study which is back and forth. Yes. Usually scientists stuck in their, in their lab, you know, and then their yeah. patient have four legs and a tail and we sacrificed our patient in the end usually. Yep. And my lab is working in a different way when there is interaction always 
with the patients and the physicians. So as a lab, academic lab, I have four nurses that I'm paying their salaries in the hospitals, that they are kind of the cannabis um, fans, or the cannabis nurses in this department. Yeah. I'm paying the salary, they're part of the lab, and they are sitting, let's say, in the main pain department in Israel or in the oncology department mm -hmm. of Hamdan Hospital. And they are helping the physician to choose the right cannabis. They are helping the patient to understand better. It's not that we know what to give to the patient. Yeah. We are not there yet, but we can help. We can guide. We can say, hey, this probably not the right thing, you know start low, go slow, and all of these kind of things. You know, yeah, you never yeah. smoke, try maybe to evaporate or to take oil, to explain, to guide. What I'm getting from that is a relationship, directly relationship with the patient and the physicians. And being with my hands, you know, in the mud, nice. I, I know that I know all the physicians in Israel that work with the, with the cannabis. I know the patients. I know that and a lot of things that we feel from the field, you know, that this is helping here and that we're taking to research, to do a research in the lab. Yep. And in the other way around, you know, if we discover something unique in the lab, it can be in a week or few weeks already, you know, patient can start to get it. Applied, today, yeah. Today, the, the two main cannabis strains that being given to epilepsy the two main strains in Israel, which I think more than 90% of the uh, epilepsy uh, kids getting them, discovered in the lab. You know, the, the Groyer gave me, said, hey, daddy, you know, I have uh, new breedings and I want to check it. And I came back to him and said, hey, you know, this is amazing. This is helping in on the, the mice, on the epilepsy, like crazy. Look, these are unique compounds. I believe this is what he's doing. And because the patient getting prescription written on the cannabis, it's kind of open door, you know. The yeah. girl can say, okay, it's high CBD strain, take that. And so there was, I would say in the last five, six years, there was few places that we literally changed the way a patient getting cannabis in Israel, what they're getting, doses, regulation, things like that which is kind of unique for academic love. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, what you're describing um, excites me for several reasons. I mean, one, my background with cannabis is in um, laboratories, primarily looking at the analytical, on the analytical chemistry side. So um, what your lab has done is what I, as an analyst, have dreamed of having the tools to do one day, to actually really dive into the minor constituents of the cannabis plant to really do in-depth profiling on cannabis products. And one thing that I've seen here in the United States that I view as kind of a lost opportunity is um, there's not a lot of good collaboration between the analytical labs that are working with cannabis products and trying to profile them or clear them for you know, safe for public safety, you know, or whatever, uh, between that and the hospitals and the academic institutions, they're all disconnected and not really working together, um, which, you know, on one level means that we're not getting a lot of good data that we could be getting. Um, um, but also, uh, one thing that's always bothered me is just the 
uh, like the lack of um, the disjointed testing standards between states in the United States, that all of these analytical labs are doing different things, using different methods, usually only focused on maybe up to 10 cannabinoids at most. Most are not testing for flavonoids. um, And the terpenoid testing methods are often not validated. Um, So your lab is, to me, um, a really great model um, to look at. And I hope that here in the United States, I hope that states that have medical cannabis programs or that are legalizing cannabis realize the opportunity um, that there is to establish a model like this where you are um, pushing the analytical testing standards further, that you're um, trying to marry these data sets together between what's happening in um, the hospitals, between patients and healthcare providers, and what products they're using, and making sure those are well characterized. Um, so uh, there's there's an aspect to what you do that I, I find really, really inspiring um, on the analytical testing side and, and just looking at medical cannabis programs in general. Um, I love that, you know, your situation being in a small country that you're able to know what's going through the medical cannabis system, what patients are receiving, and then getting that feedback so easily and quickly and being able to critically think about that and then develop research projects to examine those mechanisms, then bring those insights back over into the clinical practice and and try to apply them. It's um, it's very revolutionary. And I hope that people listening to this, especially people that maybe are in some positions of, of power, regulators and things like that, really um, um, see the potential there um, because it's, it's, it's really incredible. And I guess uh, one of the things that we'll dive into right now that you mentioned is you know, specifically your work on cancer. And then eventually I want to loop back around to talk about some of these um, analytical methods uh, that your team has been responsible for developing. But um, I guess we'll start kind of broadly and then hone in on details. But from what you've studied, how do cannabinoids and other constituents of the cannabis plant seem to affect cancer cells of of different cell types? So first of all, it's still a mystery. And and I yeah. want to you know I want to say a few words before I'm starting to dive into details into cancer research. Cannabis affecting the endocannabinoid system. The endocannabinoid system is expressing every cell in our body. I'm not familiar with any cell that's not expressing the endocannabinoid system. Yep. As I said, we have more than 100 ligands, more than 100 endocannabinoids, and I don't want to, to say a real numbers, but I would say more than 30 receptors. Okay. So it's extremely, extremely complicated system in our body that balancing almost everything in our body, it's in every cell and it's balancing how we feel appetite and pain and everything. And then the cannabis is producing hundreds of active compounds that can facilitate that. So if usually we are used to look on, you know, from the 30s of the last century of single compound, single target, something like that. This is a multiple illnesses, multiple targets, usually in academia, laboratories, but it's also, you know, in in factories and businesses, you know, Mm -hmm. are very, very specific. You know, my professor from my bachelor used to say that the 
an expert in somebody that know everything about nothing. <laughs> so usually you're you're studying one thing and looking a very narrow approach. And it's a very, very difficult to open them and to look from different angles. And first of all, it's a change of a concept. Yeah. Second, even technically, it's not easy. You're not an expert for chemistry, cancer, epilepsy, Alzheimer. You can't do all of that, but it's all related because you're affecting the immune system, that affecting the neuron, that affecting the liver, that produce insulin. And you need to understand all of that in order to understand the activity of cannabis. And, and this is one of the big limitations of doing this research. It's a messy, so messy that physician, real companies, you know, not the, I don't want to say that cannabis companies are not real, but I'm talking about yeah. the huge pharma and huge companies understand how much it's complicated and how much it's messy. When I'm collecting data on patients, I'm collecting more than 150 products different product. It's not one medicine. I have 150 that every one of them contain dozens of different active compounds in a combination. And now I'm not looking how it's affecting appetite. I'm looking how it's affecting appetite, sleep, uh, you know, mm -hmm. pain, multiple sclerosis, uh, IBD, like chronic colitis, autism, uh, PTSD. I'm just starting the, the list, right? Right. So yeah. You can collect 20,000, 30,000 patients and ending with a group of 100 that got this plan for this kind of illness. And that. So it's very, very, very difficult to extract the, the knowledge from that. Yes, yeah. And it's very difficult to understand how to treat the patient. And there is a lot of unknown. There is a lot of uh, um, emotions in this field, you know. Yeah. And when you're going to the cancer, and this is my, you know, um, entering to, to this field, when you're going to cancer, first of all, there is tons of emotion around them. Yes. The Rick yeah. Simpson story and, and stories about patients that being cured by taking cannabis give a huge promise. But how much of this is real is unclear. You know, I know people that started to do yoga and cured from cannabis, and so from cannabis, cured from cancer. <laughs> I know people that, uh, you know, started to be being religious. Yeah, yeah. From cancer. I know people, I, I know personally, somebody from my family, they go to, she went to the desert. She was, she didn't eat for a whole week. And then she was, living near the beach uh, for like a few weeks and drink uh, water from the sea because the salt is cleaning her body. And, and, and when she did after that cancer uh, testing, she was kind of a miracle. Does drinking water from the sea during cancer? The answer is no. There are always a percentage of things, we call it placebo, we call it different names, okay? Mm -hmm. that there is success that we don't understand it. 
The yeah. question is the percentage. If 0.5 of the people being cured by taking cannabis, the meaning that every 2,000 people it will help them. But when you're looking on Facebook that you have millions, <laughs> this number becomes 50 people, 60 people that are doing a lot of noise. And it sounds amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. When you're going to the field, when you're going to the hospitals, when you're going really to the patient, and I'm doing that, believe me, I know that this patient face-to-face, over 100,000, we don't see success. And this is very sad. Okay, so when I followed in Israel on Rick Simpson oil patient, and I did, I did kind of an experiment, not experiment, exam, on 150 different people that used a Rick Simpson oil. And if the audience know, don't know what is Rick Simpson oil, Rick Simpson oil is a very concentrated cannabis, usually starting with the high, high amounts, hundreds of grams. You are extract that, ethanol extraction, concentrate that, and, and taking the amount is quite big. Usually it's high THC, not always. Yeah. Usually it's sativa, not always. There is no rules for that. And it's usually very, very black and very sticky. So people put it in serene to take it with the mouse. And there was a guy, there is a guy named Rick Simpson that that claimed that he cured himself with cannabis. Probably he did. Very nice guy, I met him. And, And there is kind of a movement of, don't use chemotherapy, don't use the real the treatment, go and use cannabis. So when I followed on 150 patients in Israel that got Rick Simpson, I collected the syringes from them and I looked on the, on, on the results. And first of all, none of them took, you know, the, the things that they take was totally different. There is no correlation between one syringe to the other one. It's all called cannabis, but totally different medicine. And second, from 150 patients, I didn't see even one success. I didn't see wow. even one improvement. And when I started to look bigger, you know, in Israel, there are a few, I call them partisans, you know, like uh, pirates, that creating this, uh, this Rick Simpson oil, it's kind of illegal, but when you prescribe under healthcare 500 grams of cannabis for a patient that you, the government paying for them, I, I don't know the guy that can smoke 500 grams of cannabis in a month. He's making Rick Simpson oil from that. And we all know yeah. that and we approve it. Okay. Yeah. So when I started to follow up on, on a bigger level and they can in the country level, and I went to this guy that's making the Rick Simpson from the patient. There are kind of five guys like that. I know they're all they're coming to, to get help from my labs from here and there. I know them, I'm a friend of them. I started to collect, I came to them and said, hey guys. Give me names of five patients that you really cured. I want to go and to check genetically if they have, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a scientist. Let's try to group them and to understand yeah. why work on them and that. There is almost none. Okay. Oh, no, I had this guy. I said, okay, where is he? No, he, he died already. What do you mean? So why do you think you cured him if he died? This kind of, no, yeah. but he lived more. How do you know that he lived more? How did, did you have the day that he should die before and you know that he lived more? What do you mean he lived more? You know, this is not professional, this is not right. 
So, and these are not physicians. You don't even know exactly his disease, his situation, how you decide that he lived more, like speak to your profile. So I was very, very negative until now, okay? In, in this podcast saying about, I don't see success. First of all, I don't see success in the field. And, and we need to remember that. And this brings something that is important to put in our mind. When we're reducing pain, when we increase appetite, when we are improving sleep, you know, the patient is taking the cannabis. If it's helping him good, if it's not helping him, he will find something else. When we're talking about disease like cancer, we are playing with people's life. If we are giving hope on something that is not real, just because we have Facebook and we have that, this is scary and this is not fair, okay? Yeah. I have people, sometimes I'm coming to my lab and people are waiting out of my door, you know, and I say, hey guys, I'm not a physician, I'm not getting appointment, you know? But sometimes it's, it's a mother with a child, eight years old, it's coming to me, I have four kids, that's it, it's killing me on that spot, okay? Tell me, look, there is nothing to do, I, I'm hopeless, please help, okay? It's, it's not fair, okay? It's not fair yeah. to, to fool these people. She needs to find the best treatment for her daughter. If I think cannabis is the best treatment, I will, you know, I will kill people that won't give it. But I'm not sure yet, okay? Yeah. So in order to be sure, we need to do a very accurate research and to understand how it's working. We need to understand that cancer, it's a given name to hundreds of different diseases. Okay, It's yep. not one disease. If you're taking breast cancer, just breast cancer, you have estrogen plus, progesterone plus, hair plus, triple negative, BRCA mutation. You have, you know, in, in glioblastoma, there are what I want to say every cell in our body will have its own cancer, okay? Yeah, skin cancer, uh, bladder cancer, prostate cancer, every type of, of cell. So we already have more than 200 types, <laughs> and every type has subtypes. So if we are in a breast cancer, you have estrogen plus breast cancer, progesterone plus breast cancer. Yeah? Every one of them, it's a different profile. We look on that as a different disease. We put it on the, in a cluster. We said it's called the, the six hallmarks. Every time that there is one, two, three, four, five, six, we will call it cancer. But it's not one disease. We're not treating it the same. So first of all, as a concept, you need to understand that cannabis won't solve cancer. Maybe it will solve a type of a cancer or a type of disease right. because sometimes they are opposite of each other. Second, we spoke about it already, cannabis. It's not one molecule. It's not one plant. In my lab, I have over the 900 different types of cannabis. And I have over the 900 and not over the 2,000 because there is a limit how much I want, how much I can screen and work with. Okay. <laughs> right, so almost yeah. unlimited. So which cannabis can affect which cancer type and how? This is what we are trying to do here. Okay. In, in, a, in, a, in a very, very deep, research and accurate research. So the way we approach it, we're taking a type of a cancer, a subtype of a cancer, and we're taking a hundred of different cannabis uh, plants. And we, first of all, do a fast screen for a few weeks, trying to see 
if there is something unique, if there is a one types of cannabis, a few types of cannabis that are very potent to this subtype. And when we yeah. see that, we're trying to understand, first of all, if it's a specific action. So I want to say a few things. You know, I, I'm not against, and I really believe that cannabis can help cancer. I'm the one that, you know, gambled his career on that. So believe me that I really hope that I'm not a mistake. Uh, but when we are, we are looking for something very specific, every material in the world will kill cells in a plate. If you're taking yeah. sugar, if you're taking salt and you put on all these cells, it will die. You know, I was the head of the botanic gardens and the, medicinal gardens, I know many plants that can kill these cells, okay? So if you're taking other plants that, that can, uh, you know, have a, a, a toxicity or anti-cell, I don't have the right word for that in English. Um, so, so if you're taking them and you're doing an extract and you put on the cell, there is something we call IC50, how much you need to put in order to mm -hmm. kill 50% of yeah. And every every material eventually will kill the cells. The question whether it's in the therapeutic window, whether yes. in, yeah. if you're taking a rosemarine, and I'm always giving this example because I did it really with rosemarine, you need to put 60 milligram, whatever. If you're doing the calculation, how much a person needs to take a day, it's around 40 kilograms, which is not in the therapeutic window. Like <laughs> nobody can eat 40 kilograms of rosemarine. Um, and it's probably will kill other things in our body. <laughs> right, yeah. When we use cannabis in the first time, we put one microgram of a whole extract, so the molecule was in nanogram, mm -hmm. and it was very effective, cause apoptosis in the cells, to kill the cells, and like, mm. that the cells will commit suicide. And when I calculate the active compound, it was less than the most severe chemotherapy that I have in my lab. So this amazed me. Okay, I said, mm -hmm. this is an extremely potent material, which I already know that it's not toxic in people. People are using yeah. cannabis in that level. Right. Okay. So that was, you know, if you ask me what was my Eureka five years ago, it was that experiment that I did still with my hands, you know, uh, which I said, it's, it's crazy how potent it is. Okay. Yeah. How much it's not toxic for one hand and how much it's toxic from the other hand. And then, so if I'm coming back to, the, to our method, we first screen a lot of cannabis and looking for the most potent to this specific type of, of cancer. And when we define it, we're trying to define why it's specific to this cancer. Because this breast cancer is an estrogen plus because they have a BRCA mutation. What make this specific cancer being specific for this cannabis, okay? When we're defining that, we're starting to go deeper and deeper to understand from the one hand, the cell biology, the mechanism, why the cannabis is affecting these cells and not other cells. Understanding the mechanism always open a huge gate to treat yes. other illnesses, other cancer, other types. And, and this is this is not easy, you, you know. This is when you have something like that. Usually, you did the, you know. This is uh, the big thing. On the other hand, when we define that, 
we're looking what are the compounds, what are the combination of compounds that you need in order to do this action. Whether it's one compound from the cannabis, three, seven, the whole extract, I want to know what are the minimum compounds that are doing the maximum effect. Okay. Yeah. People, people, people used to say that, you know, nature is, uh, you know, don't touch the nature, it's perfect. Nature is far from being perfect. This is the reason there is evolution. Okay, we're improving yep, what is not perfect is disappearing, you know. I'm always said if we were perfect, we, were, we, we wouldn't have a teeth, we were the beak or something, you know. But, like, <laughs> and then, there's all sorts power, of examples like, like that. Yeah, there's... Except, except of kissing, I don't understand this system <laughs> of teeth and everything. Anyway, so nature is not perfect. Who said that the combination that I have in this plant, which is extremely important, the best, Maybe if I will change the ratio, I will get better action. So all of these questions we are asking. So I can give one or two examples of a research that we did like that. One of them is in the leukemia, which harboring notch one mutation. It's a specific mutation in the cell that 50% of the leukemia of the TLL harboring that, but 3% of the glioblastoma, 2% of the breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So learning that the a specific type of cannabis affecting the notch one mutation, teaching me first of all that I can treat 50% of the leukemia. But in the glioblastoma, if I know their mutation, I know that these have notch one mutation, I can treat. So think about it. If you have 2% of people in glioblastoma that harboring notch one mutation, if I would treat all the people with the glioblastoma, I will have in, in the best thing that I can think, it's 2% success. But if I know to find this one, it's already become 100%. So this is the reason it's extremely important to understand which mechanism you are attacking. So because you told me in the beginning that uh, most of our audience are people with, uh, with knowledge in, in pharmaceuticals or in, in science, I will go a little bit deeper on that to explain the level that we're trying to, okay? Yeah. So notch one is a protein that's sitting on the membrane of the of the, the cells, it's a receptors, that one of his rules is feeling if there is another cell near him. Oh, okay. Okay. It, yeah. It's like it's touching the other cells. I'm flattening here a lot of uh, you know the science, but as, as of course, cell, yeah. Okay. And he's feeling there is, is a cell behind him. There is something called contact inhibition. When cells have a contact around him, he knows that he can't proliferate, he can't create another cell. One of the things in, in cancer, you're losing the contact inhibition and then cell growing on the cell and growing on the cell create a tumor. Okay. Yeah. So this protein, the notch one, is one of the, the, the proteins that are responsible to feel this contact. If there is a mutation in this protein that is now not sitting in the angle that you need to sit, it's not feeding the other cells, and the cell think there is no contact. There is another protein that cleavage that. This protein, this notch one, going to the nucleus as a transcription factor directly, and transcript producing proteins that are important to proliferate the cell. Okay, and this is called the driving mutation. It drives the cells to start to proliferate and create yep. cancer. Okay, uh, one of the protein that is signaling to the cells to create it himself. It's called the feedback loop because he, he, yep. this protein was on the membrane, was cleaved, going to the nucleus, and the nucleus said, hey, 
produce all these proteins for proliferation, but send another one like me back to the membrane because I'm not there anymore, okay? And then the whole cycle it, continues. The whole cycle continues. This is when you have your mutation. When you don't have mutation, it's sitting on the membrane and where and feeling the other stuff. But if you have a mutation, it's a cycle that always run. In order to go back to the membrane, it needs to cross the ER and the Golgi. The Golgi mm -hmm. is the post office of the cell. Okay, the protein is reaching there, getting a stamp. You need to go there. You need to go there. You need to go there. Taking the vesicles and and go through the microtubules to the right place. Okay, so we find out that the cannabis is elevating a protein in the Golgi that mm. that blocking. Let's say like that. It's blocking the ability of the cells to put the right stem on the notch one. So the notch yeah. one is can't reach back to the membrane, going to degradation. Then you don't have this notch mm -hmm. one anymore on the membrane, and you're blocking these cycles, and the cells going through apoptosis will start to kill itself. Okay, it's something he already obligate to this circle in this mutation. Right. It can't live. So if you're a normal cells, we're not affecting you. But if you have a notch one mutation, the cannabis is blocking that on the Golgi, and this is the reason the cells die. Think about it. This is a unique strain that killing cancer, but if you don't have a notch one mutation, it just won't affect you at all. This is a CBD strain, not potent. Nobody looked on this strain before, you know? Not unique in any parameter, not high CBD, nothing, okay? But if you are a specific patient with a specific mutation, specific, this can be the cure, okay? On the other hand, now I have a strain, high CBD strain, with 70-something molecules inside. And I'm asking myself whether there is a unique compound there, a combination of compound, or I really need the entourage effect of everything, flavonoid, terpenoid, right. cannabinoid. So what we're doing, we're starting to do fractions. We're taking this oil. We have a clear phenotype. This killing this cell, okay? Mm -hmm. And just to, 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 you know, I will finish with this first. So we're taking the oil and we cut it to four. We said, okay, we have 80 molecules. Let's divide them to 20, 20, 20. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Which we have the equipment to do it. It's HPLC preparative, it's PCP. Yeah. We, have, we have all the equipment. So we, we, we cut it to four pieces, and every piece we put in different cube. Now I have 20 molecules, 20 molecules, 20 molecules. First of all, as a control, I'm taking all these pieces, put them together, and see that it's back working, that I didn't destroy it any. Okay? Yeah. And then I'm starting to do a combination. I'm starting to put every one of them alone. One and two, one and three, one and four, two mm. and three. And three. Yeah. I'm doing all the combination, and I see whether there is one fraction that's working or I need a combination. Let's say now I need, I see that cube one and cube three bring back all the activity. I know that every, yeah. all the molecules in tube two and, and four, I don't need them anymore. So I already eliminate 50% of the compound. I'm going deeper and deeper and deeper and doing this elimination. Today I'm doing it in the very efficient way. It's taking me between two to three months to define the molecule or the combination of the molecule, doesn't matter if we're talking about cancer, epilepsy, or other things, okay? Yeah. So you narrow it down and you find the molecules. In this specific uh, notch one, we define three cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. 
Two of them are non-cannabinoids. One of them is unknown cannabinoid. We are the first one to, to analyze, to discover, to send to NMR, to understand the structure, okay? But you need the three of them. If you put every one of them or every combination of two of them, it's not working. You need the three of them. And we know already they are binding two different receptors. Activate an ER stress that reduces calcium. We understand the mechanism, but we already understand also why you need more than one of them, that you need the three yeah. of them. Because they're binding different receptors and activate a different pathway that create a together something in the cell that's doing that. And this is kind of a proof of a concept for me. We didn't need all the plant, but we yeah. need this combination. And actually in Israel, I had just one plant that had this combination. After I understood this combination, I said, okay, let's take a plant from here that had one molecule and a plant from here that had two molecules from that, combine them and see that I'm getting the same action. Mm. And the answer is yes, I'm getting the same action. Exact, okay? Wow. Yeah. So we took it to, to the mice yeah. model. We did everything in the mice model. We created the tumors. We did actually four different mice models, including a, a bone marrow implantation to create this leukemia. And it's working perfect. It's killing the cells. It's reducing, it's curing the mice, the leukemia in the mice. And now we are starting clinical trials, literally clinical trials with this strain and this molecule. So this is another question about pharma versus cannabis. Okay. Yeah. Now there is two roads. I finished everything that I know on the preclinical with it. Okay. I don't have literally almost uh, other things. I'm playing with the ratio, trying to see other things. But I did four different uh, mice models for that. I did hundreds of, of experiments. I did, I understand the mechanism, I understand the compound, I understand almost everything that I wish to understand as a scientist. I just don't understand why the why the editor of Cell don't think like me, but that's a different question. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, now I'm going to clinical trial. In the clinical trial, there is two roads. There is a pharma road. Take this compound, make them purify, doing a clinical trial, phase one, phase two, phase three, yeah. and everything. Seven years, FDA approved, probably half a billion dollars, you know, or, or yeah. I will be the richest person in the world, or I will be with zero, you know. It's <laughs> very sad. Very sad, exactly. <laughs> both ways. This is one road. The other road is cannabis. Cannabis has yeah. been given today to around, I'm sorry, uh, I'm not accurate, I think 14,000 cancer patients in Israel mm. as, a, as a treatment for improving quality of life. Mm -hmm. Almost every cancer patient in Israel that suffer from pain, nausea, they will get cannabis or the, op the option to get cannabis. Yeah. And I have thousands of patients getting cannabis. So it's already kind of a medicine that's been approved, okay, as a whole extract. Yeah. Now I need just to define it, to say, hey, this patient, give them this strain, okay? And it's easy, regulatory, it's easy. You're already like in phase 2B, I would call it something like that. You, mm -hmm. you skip yeah. everything. You don't need to do toxicity. You can go directly to the patient. You don't need to start with healthy patient and then patient. You're starting with real patient. 
the patient get on their prescription cannabis. Doesn't matter what you're getting. 30 gram cannabis, 30 ml cannabis. That's what is written on the prescription. Israel is kind of half social. We are not paying from healthcare. Okay. Mm. It's been deducted from my salary. I'm paying kind of insurance, but everybody in Israel have insurance. Doesn't matter if you're working or not. If you're not working, uh, probably the people that they work in cover that I don't know how it's worked with the tax, but but sure, yeah. But when I'm going to the hospital, I'm not paying for that. Okay, when gotcha. I'm going okay. for a physician, I'm paying a simple payment. I'm paying twelve dollars. Okay, hmm. that wow. you won't go five times a day. You know, it's like bags hmm. in the supermarket, but uh, <laughs> but you're paying a, a fixed price. And we're not paying for healthcare. So when a patient being prescribed for cannabis is prescribed from a medicine under healthcare, you need to understand that. It's not yeah. like in the US that you're going and pay for that. So we have more than 14,000 patients that getting cannabis under prescription, under healthcare, but the prescription is not defined which cannabis to take. So yeah. when I'm going to a clinical trial today and I'm working in all the oncology department in Israel, I'm doing today 13 or 14 clinical trials, most of them on pain and sleep and mm -hmm. cancer in that way. But I'm working in this department. I just need to speak with the physician, you know, Gil Barcella, my friend, the head of the oncology department in Carmen Hospital, said, hey, Gil, I think that the leukemia patient with notch one, that you don't have any treatment for them today, this strain can kill the cells. He literally, it doesn't sound good, but he literally don't care. Okay, mm -hmm. instead of give them Scooby-Doo or Mickey Mouse or White <laughs> Widow or Deep Purple or whatever names that you call it, I will give them the strain that you, I don't care. It's all, it's yeah. a strain, it's even not uh, psychoactive, you know. I will give them whatever you want, you know. This is yeah. cannabis route. So you can do a double-blind, placebo, real clinical trial. But get permission in Israel between three to five months starting a, a trial and see in the real world, not on my yeah. if the cannabis is really helping this patient with the notch. Okay? Yeah. You can be with a product, with a medicine that can cure people in a year, year and a half on, on, on the shelf after clinical trial, double blind, placebo, real trial. Yeah. Real measurements, blood measurements, endocannabinoids, uh, you know, uh, toxicity with everything, but without going the Via de la Rosa uh, uh, path of the FDA. And it doesn't need to say that if you're going that road, you can't go in parallel in that road. Okay? Right. Yeah. But I'm telling you literally as, as a person, as a human being, thinking that maybe I have something, a medicine in my hand, that yeah. can cure now a child with the TLA leukemia. But now I need to wait seven years. Yeah. Which you can get it in the backyard, which it can get it in the day, which you just can buy that because he can get it. But I'm waiting this. This is something kind of insane for me. Yeah. So I gave you now an example of a complicated action of P molecules. I have results in my lab on a breast cancer, specific type of breast cancer, but I won't go 
to the data were adjusted that in that way that we narrowed down in the end we discover a, 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 a specific phytocannabinoid that it's one phytocannabinoid that action hmm. but this phytocannabinoid is extremely unique one it's a phytocannabinoid with oxygen in the in the in the ring you know i don't Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sort so of in, the, in the periphery of the of the aromatic rings. Exactly. So you have mm -hmm. oxygen inside. So it's probably less lipophilic, more than right. But this is extremely. It's a new cannabinoid. It's not from the the families that the cannabinoid, the phytocannabinoid that we know. Yeah. When we got the first NMR, when we understand the structure of that, we thought it might be mistaken. We send it again. You know. Sure. Yeah. So I think that sometimes it can be one molecule. Sometimes it would be three molecules. Sometimes it would be more than that. Yeah. But the ability to narrow down, discover that, open the door to understand, uh, uh, you know, bigger picture and what we can treat. And I think, yeah. and I think that the cannabis field in general will go in two different roads. Okay. If I think about the medicinal cannabis in five years. I think there will be specific illnesses that being, will be treated with a very accurate way, very specific yeah. strain of very specific molecules, very specific product. And there will the majority will still use cannabis as a whole plant. And I will explain myself, okay? If I'm looking on the patient, at least in Israel, but also in the other world, in the, all of the world, most of the patients using cannabis as it as the improving quality of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pain patient, PTSD patient, autistic kids, patient, cancer patient that's suffering from neuropathic pain and from nausea. They're all using cannabis for improving quality of life. Just a small portion of, of patients taking cannabis for a specific indication a kid with epilepsy that taking cannabis the majority is to reduce the seizures this is very specific but most of the patients taking it for quality of life cannabis affecting many pathways in our body yeah it's affecting many cells yeah. so when you're taking a ptsd patient post-trauma disorder he taking cannabis for uh, reducing anxiety for improving sleep, okay, yeah. um, for uh, reducing his nightmares. It's affecting the dreams. It's affecting us to get into the realm, the dream right. sleep. Person, mm -hmm. Okay, if if we're looking about a cancer patient that getting now chemotherapy, is getting cannabis to reduce nausea, to improve sleep. Yeah to reduce pain, to improve his uh, mood, to improve his appetite. It's not one thing. It's not one compound yeah. or three compounds for a single thing. It's a little bit improving his sleep, a little bit improving his appetite, a little bit improving his mood, a little bit reducing his pain, and all together, you get a big action of improving quality of life. And I don't think that we will be able to define the specific molecule because it's not specific molecule these yeah. two molecules binding these neurons and then you're sleeping better 
these two molecules are binding these receptors and helping in improving appetite. And this, it's a complex of things. Yep. That, that, and, and on that, I believe, cannabis will stay as a cannabis, as a whole product. Maybe the, the package will be beautiful, you know, <laughs> with just sure, yeah. pictures on them and then other things. <laughs> And maybe we will find a better delivery and the vipers will mm -hmm. be better and this. But in the end, we will stay probably with the whole extract. On the other hand, a, a, a cancer patient, breast cancer with estrogen plus profile might get a, a single compound or a combinations of compounds or a strain that we know exactly which compounds inside and what is the portion of the compound mm. as a treatment to this cancer? Why? Because now we are, we less care about her appetite that we need to save her life, and this is yes. very accurate uh, measurement. And I believe that in five years we will see on 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 the shelves these two products more and more accurate, knowing exactly the the the, the compounds yeah. and everything, and things that are more general you know uh, absolutely or... yeah i mean you're highlighting um something that i've speculated on um you're basically nailing it on the head what i've mentioned before on the podcast that i as well see room for um these highly standardized unique formulations um targeted for very specific uses generally for acute disease states, you know, very acute yeah. issues. And then um, herbal cannabis has its place um, exactly in what you're saying in this sort of a more chronic quality of life, multi-variate, uh, you know, situation um, that is always going to have this level of complexity to it that is um, essentially impossible to tease out anyway. Um, and Every, I mean, there's so much that you just covered um, that I want to come back around to. I mean, one question that I have that I think is on a lot of people's minds are, what, what, what's the role for the quote-unquote minor constituents of cannabis? And, um, and I guess I'll say non-cannabinoids because we've mostly talked about cannabinoids, but are you seeing roles that terpenoids, flavonoids, you know, and even going beyond those sterols and stilbenoids, these other non-cannabinoid um, compounds, um, do you see them playing any role um, in some of these activities on um, these different cell types that you're investigating? Yeah, so uh, so I, would, I will divide my answer, first of all, to the cannabinoids, even though you asked not sure, about yeah. them. Minor cannabinoids is terminology that I don't like. Sure, because, yeah. <laughs> because if I have in a strain a cannabinoid name, I don't know, CBGM or CBGO, Oh, uh, a cannabinoid that you never heard about that name, and we call it three, two, nine, one, eight. Right. Okay. If it's in the, in a specific strain, if it's two point five percent, it's not minor. It's the second cannabinoid expressed. You never heard, but heard about it. Doesn't mean that is doesn't mean that is minor. Right. And and two percent in 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 a plant in a dry flowers, if somebody is using one gram with the average of a joint, mm -hmm. 0.75 gram. 
is if a patient, you know, the average in Israel for patient is 34 point, sorry, 32.4 gram a month. So it's around one gram. Okay, so yeah. I'm always calculating that way. So if a patient taking one gram, that have 2% uh, of a cannabinoid, is getting 20 milligram a day, which is not right. minor. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's already not minor. It's quite a lot. Okay. So the definition of minor or not, we call what we are used to say THC, CBD, CBG, CBC, CBA. They are the major. But right. the minor is because I, I don't know how to look at it in the HPLC. I will call it minor. So, first of all, I have a problem with this definition. Okay. And we see. In, in, in many studies, that these, what we call just minor, are extremely, extremely, extremely important. Mm -hmm. And they are major and not minor. And sometimes they are extremely potent, more than THC, CBD, and other cannabinoids. So first mm -hmm. of all, on phytocannabinoids, I think they are extremely important, okay? When we're talking about tupinoids and flavonoids, it's a big question. In just one study that we did, we find can flavin A is important. Mm. Um, so, so, in flav so again, let's divide this answer into terpenoids and flavonoids, okay? Absolutely. Flavonoids, there are unique flavonoids in cannabis that we don't find in any other plant. Yep. What makes them unique is the cannabinoids because it's become unique. And part of them, we know that they are important and potent and doing the action. I'm almost not familiar good research that's been published that, that they are in, important to a, a kind of an illness or kind of a, a, a you know a, a reasons that people are using cannabis that the flavonoid is part of that I, I don't know appetite sleep pain sure, whatever. Yeah. we find it that it's affecting a microglia in the brain and these kind of things, but it's a study that we're still on. So except that, we didn't find the other flavonoid. We are looking around 40 different flavonoids. Mm -hmm. We didn't find that they are important in an action. It doesn't mean that they are not. Just right. say that I didn't find yet, you know. Absolutely, uh, yeah. The terpenoids is, uh, the terpenes and terpenoids are a different question. And, and first of all, they are changing all the time in the plants. Yes. So it, it's important when you're picking the plant, how you're drying it, how you're curing it, how much it's fresh and not fresh. They are changing all the time. So if you're taking the phytocannabinoid, we used to say that they are changing and if you grow it in different like different uh, soil, you will change. But what I learned that the ratio between them are almost always the same. So if there is, 10 to 1 CBD to THC, it will stay 10 to 1. Maybe it will be 10 THC, 1 CBD, and it can mm -hmm. be maybe 15 THC, 1.5 CBD. But the ratio is always the same. So, and I don't know how much you hold in your, uh, your lungs, there, you know, when you take <laughs> a breath. And so, yeah. but you're getting the same ratio, the same complex of phytocannabinoids almost always. And when you're doing curing, you dry it, it it's quite stable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah. I can take a seedling, you know, for the flower, just the, the fresh yep. leaf, 
and tell you from the seedlings what will yes. be the ratio between all the phytocannabinoids on that stage. So the meaning that it's that's, quite that's, stable. That's what I used to do for farmers in Oregon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when we're talking about the tupinoids, it's a totally different story. I don't have a clue what you will get when it, you yes. pick it. If you if you pick it in the beginning of flowering or the end of flowering, it will be totally different. On you when you're doing when you're curing that, it's totally changing. And after one month, a little bit than one month, there is a reduction of almost 90% of the tupinoid. This is a paper that we just published in the Physics of Plant Biology. Yeah. That are we checked for two years. This, the, the stability of, of the molecules, the terpenoids and the cannabinoids, whether you put them in a shelf life, minus 20, minus 80, minus uh, 4, um, you know, uh, oil, uh, olive oil versus canola oil versus... We did many, many combinations and, and look how the compounds is changing. What is the degradation? What is the shelf life of cannabis? How is the best to store it? Uh, you know, all, the, all of these questions. Ground flowers versus whole flowers. I have a student that did many, many uh, of these um, actions in order to check that. The tupinoids, tupins are, you lost almost 90% of them after one month. So the question is how many of these tupinoids really the patient is getting? Yeah. Okay. How much when you're smoking a joint, when you vibrate, when you're keeping the, the, the cannabis, and usually the patient, at least today in Israel, will get the cannabis around four or five months after it's been picked because yeah. mm -hmm. it's need to go through a process and regulation and the GMP and everything. It's not like we had three, four years ago that it was from the field to the patient. Okay. The way they curing it and everything, a lot of these different... So first of all, the question is how much is really left? And when you're doing extraction, whether it's ethanol extraction, butane extraction, you lose many, many, many of these things. Yes, yeah. So altogether, it's a question how much really the patient are feeling the tearpins. You know, we know that you feel it. It's the smell. It's the taste. Of course, there is. And it's, for me, it's a little bit disappointing. I'm working on that a lot. I invest a lot of time and money. And I'm still in none of our studies, another matter which type of study, I didn't put my finger on, on tupinoid that is part of the effect that I see. Mm -hmm. Again, it doesn't mean that it's not. It means that I didn't put the finger. I'm far from being, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's what they, I, I didn't succeed to see that. This is the result. Now, if you ask me if I think they are important, the answer is probably yes. People call sativa in indica, okay? Mm -hmm. What exactly is sativa in indica? As a, you know, as a, as a plant biologist did genetics and in, in plants, I don't know to, to define that sativa <laughs> in indica. It's 70% indica, 30% sativa. Oh, gosh. What, what, what do you mean? What, what does how, that mean? What does that mean? How do you describe that? What, it's, uh, they have, the roots is sativa and the leaves are indica. What, what, <laughs> what the hell, you know? Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Something as, you know, my background initially being in botany, that's something that I've 
had a hard time wrapping my my head around and I've, I've seen some of the good work that um you know like john mcpartland and ernest small just put out a paper to try to clarify the uh taxonomy versus the vernacular of those terms and, and and to try to find some standardization but it is extraordinarily confusing and especially if you're trying to parse through old research and uh, particularly taxonomical and, and botanical research around cannabis and you see that through the past hundred years uh different people have used these terms inconsistently you don't know exactly what they're talking about and even if you go back um, you know, even further, you have different taxonomists that have classified cannabis in different ways, you know, sort of operating in isolation from one another. So, yeah, just the use of those terms is a, a huge, huge mess. Yeah, but what I want to, you know, to get to is that people define sativa and indica also by the effect. Yes. Said, okay, yeah. sativa, sativa is lifting and indica make you feel more sleepy and heavy, right. you know. We're joking, we said indica in the couch when you're smoking it, you're stuck <laughs> yeah. in the couch, okay. So uh, when you're trying, and this is a work by Arno from the Netherlands, when he started yeah. trying to define indica and sativa, and he, he went to the, uh, you know, to the shops, to the coffee yep. shops in there and said, okay, give me the best indica that you have and the best sativa, the most strongest indica that you have and the most strongest yeah. sativa. And it took, I think, uh, from 50 different uh, coffee shops, 100 strains, and tried to define that. He didn't do that in the level that I will wish to do that, uh, and we can do that today in the lab because he didn't yeah. look on all the variety, but he did what he can. So he checked uh, the phytocannabinoid and the terpenoid and saw that the different are just in the terpenoid. The phytocannabinoid looks the same between the, the sativa and indica statistically, but the, the change is the terpene. And what you learn in there, from what we can learn from that, that the effect of feeling uplifting or sleepy is more by affected by the terpenes and not the cannabinoids, mm -hmm. or the or the combination with the, this group of right. terpenes with this mm -hmm. cannabinoids or that group of terpenes with that cannabinoid. Yeah. So this is teaching that they are important. I couldn't find it yet i couldn't find i'm working with companies there is a very good company in israel called ibna that they are mm -hmm. doing profiles of tippins uh, uh, you know and i'm working with them a lot and trying to find you know things but yeah. not yet. yeah and i i did a really nice interview fairly recently with uh vincenzo de marzo and we were talking about the entourage effects and the uh, sort of, I guess, misunderstanding in the broader kind of popular culture um, within the cannabis industry about, um, you know, what he mentioned is that when when he and Rafi first presented this concept of the entourage effects, they were thinking about 2AG and these congeners that they didn't understand their effects and everything. And, and then over time, that concept got sort of mis- or reinterpreted to apply to the cannabis plant and, you know, these effects that might be at play between terpenes and cannabinoids and everything. But what Tim and I were talking about now, I've also talked to Arno um, as well about this, that, um, you know, there's not, a, there's just not a lot of data um, that actually shows um, these sort of uh, quote unquote entourage effects within the cannabis plant. That doesn't mean they're not there. And everyone I've talked to makes a point to, say that that doesn't mean they're not there 
but there's very little data that has actually shown um, the mechanisms of those sort of synergistic effects uh, so far, which is important for people to understand. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, this is true. You know, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that Dimarzo said that, um, but this is something that is clear. You know, the the paper about the entourage effect from 1998 of Rafi and Dimarzo yeah. and the Professor Ben Shabbat, we're talking about endocannabinoids, two endocannabinoids in the brain, nothing about cannabis. <laughs> people like, you know, it's not people, it's, it's uh, I, I think Ethan Russo published that in, in 2000 and something that actually about the entourage effect of the cannabis. And, and again, mm-hmm. Ethan is not the, another guy from the street. He, he right. published a lot of good papers about that and showed that um, from our research, we see the entourage effect. I gave you an example of few mm-hmm. of three phytocannabinoids, and I know the mechanism and right. why it's doing that. And, and I think for me, this paper that we are trying to publish now on the leukemia, it's a breakthrough because it's one of the first times that we are proving the entourage effect and showing that you need more than one compound, that one compound won't work. You need the combination and explaining exactly why this is binding this, this is binding that, yes. this is doing that. And, and, and this is why I thought it's a, a very important work. But it's not clear how much this entourage effect is, is there and in how many cases it's true. Mm-hmm. I... You know, we talk about it, about the the overall action of cannabis, which a patient taking that and getting many benefits. We need to understand the endocannabinoid system in order to understand the action of the cannabis. The endocannabinoid system, it's a homostatic regulatory system in our body, in most of the cases, not in all of the cases, but in most of the cases. It's balancing things and fine-tune action, okay? If we are, if, if we touch a hot glass and our hand is jumping, the reason of that is because the, 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 there are sensors in the tips of our fingers that feeling the hot and the pain, sending a signal fast to our brain, <clears throat> that send a signal back to our muscles, okay? to release uh, calcium, to contract, okay? Yes, yeah. And, and they contract. This is a, a very fast action, electric action. Yeah. The, the cells contract, okay? But from that moment, you don't need this pain anymore. And the body yeah. is releasing the pain. It's doing it in a very specific way that cells near our, uh, this sensor creating a specific endocannabinoid that binded and reducing the pain. But this is very specific, very fine-tuned. Mm-hmm. It's by lo- localization. It's, yeah. it's there. Okay, if it was here, it was just here. If it was here, it was just <laughs> here. Okay? It's very localized, very fast. The yeah. endocannabinoids are lip- lipophilic molecules sitting on the membrane being cleaved, mm-hmm. released, binding, Half-life of a few minutes, okay, dead. Boom, gone. And they are gone. Okay, they're doing the action, they're gone. This is a very specific, very small, but doing the action. Yeah. The body have also the severe action. If you're now wounded, you know, 
the, right. the hand is totally cut. The body is not playing with endocannabinoids. <laughs> it's producing opioids. Like morphine, yeah. right? It's mm -hmm. producing opioids. There is a penalty of this opioid. The body now is in the totally stressed. You need to save yeah. your life to reduce your heart beating that you want to lose a lot of blood, that you want to move. You become totally stoned. Maybe you will faint. Okay, mm -hmm. from this boost of of hormones, from boost of uh, not hormones, boost of uh, opioids. Okay, you will be totally stoned. You won't maybe you won't feel the pain at all. Okay, mm -hmm. but there is a penalty for that because you're totally out. Okay, right. So you, the body have the mild, small, specific action for mild, small things. And the severe action when he, when he needs severe action, okay. Think about about the hunter that ran after the deer ten thousand years ago, okay, in the forest, bare feet. Every rock that he hitting, every that if everything will stone him, the yeah. the, the you know the wolf and the, the the tiger will take him quite fast. Oh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Probably the wolf. Feel like that is they just not You're right, uh, yeah. They got selected out. <laughs> so, on the other hand, he's focusing on his the, and the body is just managed that in, in, in a specific localization. Okay, I'm usually I'm always giving the appetite example because I mm. think it's a great example. Yeah, if you are not eating for two days, for one day, our intestine is shrinking and sending a severe <laughs> signal to our brain hormones to eat. We become angry. We become hungry. We, are a, we can't think, okay? Why the body is doing that? Because it's in a very catastrophic situation, mm -hmm. okay? We need fuel. This car is not driving without fuel. We call it glucose. We need to bear glucose in order to create ATP that we can move. We can speak, we can move, we can breathe. Without fuel, the engine will stop, okay? So the body needs fuel. If you didn't eat, it doesn't have fuel. He needs to start to create fuel from his, from his stocks, okay? Unfortunately, he's not going to the fat first. He's going to the muscles, starting to break muscles, okay? Yep. This is a catastrophic action for the body. It's called cachectia. When we're starting to break our muscles, okay? So if you're not eating for a long time, the body now needs to save itself. And it, cre it creates a very, very strong, severe action that you will focus on eating. Let's go back to the hunter. He's running yeah. after the deer. He's so hungry that he don't feel pain. He don't care about anything. Right. Yeah. He needs to eat. He's totally focused. Okay? Nothing but hunting this deer, okay? But now there is another system in our body that creates appetite, the endocannabinoid system. This is not a severe one. When we, we walk near a barbecue and we smell the, the barbecue, yeah. so small molecules from the bird meat entering to our nose, going to our olfactory system, signaling to a neuron that producing specific endocannabinoids that going to our pancreas that creating insulin and there is a feedback loop that increases appetite. But this is a mild, you know. If my wife is standing near me and said, you don't need it now, it's, it's falling immediately, you know. I, I don't need to eat that. 
if I will move from them and won't smell it after two, three minutes, the appetite will go down. Yeah. It's not that I'm not eating for two days. If I'm going to the other room after I did eat, eat it two days, I will still think about food. Right. But our dessert is coming when we are totally full, you know, and the dessert is coming and we're eating that. This is the endocannabinoid system. But sometimes we can control. And I'm looking on my body and said, okay, you know, that, that, that's enough <laughs> for me. I won't eat more, even though my body is signaling. We control it. Yeah. Let's go back to the hunters. Okay, he run after the deer. He's so hungry, he's so that he's hunting the deer. Now he's coming with all the, the tribe around him, you know, burning <laughs> this deer, and they're starting to eat. After a few bites, after not eating for two days, after a few bites, he will feel totally full. But evolutionary, the body creates this system of creating appetite. Keep eating. You don't know when you will have the next deer. You know, keep yeah. eating. You don't know where will be the next meal. It's important. This appetite is extremely important, okay? But it's under control because the wolf and the tiger also have an endocannabinoid system. They're smelling the, the smell. They will come. But when he will hear the noise in the bush, he's totally under control. It's not a severe action. It's the mild action being controlled. He will move. He will do it, okay? I already mm -hmm. ate, this is a tiger, maybe I will fight him next time. If he wouldn't eat for three days and he will hunt the deer and the tiger will come, he might fight with the tiger. He might right. lose, okay? Yeah. He probably <laughs> yeah. will lose, okay? <laughs> so this is system that the endocannabinoid built to fine tune, to yes, do yeah. very localized, very specific, very fast. Cannabis is affecting that. For that reason, in a lot of cases, it's mild, it's, mm -hmm. it's small, it's fast, okay? Because this is the endocannabinoid system, we can't change it. Right. And, but it's many things in our body which are small pieces. Yes. So when we're taking cannabis, it's a little bit affecting the appetite, a little bit affecting the pain, a little bit affecting our sleep, a little, and you're getting something that is is... The old pieces bringing something that is big. And this is, I think, the unique thing about cannabis. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and why, in some cases, it's the perfect treatment. Instead of taking six different pills, thank yep. uh, cannabis, okay? In other cases, we don't need to fight it. It won't be the right treatment. It's not strong yep. enough. It's not potent enough. It's not... And we need to understand in, in the end, we want to help our community and you know, the sick people, the people that suffer. That is the bottom line, you know? Many people yes. want to make a lot of money and I understand that everything is fine. But in the bottom line, if we're going to the, you know, deep in the bottom, yep. we want to help people to live better. Okay. Right. And, and, and cannabis can bring that in many aspects. I want to say that we are talking about cannabis, but I think cannabis opened the door for medicinal plant in general. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, I go on. I was just going to say, I, I totally agree. It, it sounds like you're about to touch on one of the things that I'm most passionate about, um, because um, where my personal work is steering now is um, looking at at other plants rethinking the term cannabinoid altogether like what does that mean what is a cannabinoid what molecules fall into that definition that maybe 
we've studied before, but not thought of in this context. So not to interrupt you, but you're, you're touching on something I'm extremely passionate about. Uh, so please continue. So I think, you know, I'm coming from this world, from medicinal plant. I was the yeah. head of the biggest greenhouse in Israel for medicinal plant for years. And this was my passion always. And I think there is still a lot to discover that um, yes. for thousands of years, people use plants as a medicine. There was almost nothing else. Okay. Right. They learned that if you're giving this dose, it's killing you. Oh, you know, we lost the, uh, we lost grandpa. It didn't work. And, and they lost and they, and they learn which dose is helping you. There is a lot of placebo in that, yeah. but it's also a huge amount of knowledge. From the beginning of the, the last century, from the 20s, 30s, 40s, when, you know, microscope were discovered and the equipment become better, people learn about bacteria and viruses and DNA and everything. And people started to, to bring medicines in, in a better and accurate way, which is very positive. I'm not, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. an herbalist that's thinking that Medicines are not good. The reason we're reaching uh, 90, 95, you know, I spoke with Rafi Beshulam that was 90 last week. I wish I will be a half uh, from his abilities in, in that age. Um, one of the reasons is the, the healthcare become much, much, much better. You know, we can't yeah. argue with that. But companies and scientists and, and all the science tried to be very, very accurate, very specific. So they, they had to simplify everything. And they started from, from the beginning, from scratch. Okay, let's take single compound to single target. Let's understand one and one. This is simple. That's what I know to do. More than that, it's too complicated. Okay? Yeah. And it worked for many, many, many illnesses and diseases and, and, and a lot of medicines. You know, when I have a migraine, I'm suffering every one, two months from a migraine. I'm taking one pill of Elvin gel and it's done. So it's working, you know, let's face it. Okay. Um, first of all, people don't know that I think more than 80% of the medicines today coming from plants. Yeah. People are telling me, Daddy, why to use chemotherapy? Why not to use molecules from plants and i'm looking at what do you think where the chemicals come from what taxol is, is from taxus and vincrestin is from vinca and like they're coming from plants we the purified it and making a patent and selling as a pill but it's coming from plants not people yep. okay so you know people knew for thousands of years that if you're taking william widow and and extract it you know boiling that and drinking the tea is reduce fever and, and help you reducing pain. So in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I don't remember the year it's been happened. They they took the the willing widow away, you know, tea, and they defined it that the molecule that doing that called salicylic acid. They're doing few modifications that call it aspirin, and we take it as, as a medicine today. But it's coming from there. But this is kind of simplified. Say, take one molecule, single target, mm -hmm. understand the mechanism, make it right. There are few illnesses, few diseases 
that we are hitting our head in the wall for years and not succeeding to break the wall. It's cancer, it's uh, mm-hmm. Alzheimer, it's ALS. I can give more and more examples, you know? I think thousands of thousands of laboratories working on cancer research. Yeah. The discoveries and the things that we succeed to do is extremely minor. Thousands of, of, of laboratories, scientists, companies working on trying to uh, cure Alzheimer or to blocking Alzheimer. I think it's the, it's the most, uh, it's the, the disease that burn the most, you know, the biggest uh, chunk of money that I can think of without any result. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely how it seems. And and it's unbelievable. We 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 don't succeed to do that. And maybe we need to start to think for the different level, not a yes. single molecule, single target, few molecules, few targets, more complicated. It's a polypharmacology. It's already kind yes. of a concept that's starting to emerge. And and the best example that I have for that it's the HIV. That for years they're trying to. To, to treat this uh, buster virus, you know? Yeah. We, know we, we now know what viruses can, can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had a, a, a religious professor in my bachelor that, that teach virology, and he oh. entered with his, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the Jewish have uh, this... Uh, oh, yarmulke the yarmulke, on the head, yeah. The yarmulke on the head. He came with his yarmulke, arranged it on the head, and, and said, viruses... Are like God. That's the way I started the course. That viruses <laughs> are, are like God. They are everywhere. They can do everything and we know nothing about them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so for years we're trying to treat HIV without uh, success. Many laboratories work on that. But there was few discoveries. Now let's block the virus entered to the T cells with this system and they mm-hmm. create a medicine for that. But this didn't work very well. It's improving 20%, you know, yeah. that action there. Okay, so let's try to block the virus to kind of uh, divide or proliferate or mm-hmm. something like that. And they create a medicine, oh, you know, this is working in 10% then mm-hmm. efficiently. Yeah. And, then, and another one, everyone tried to attack the virus from a different angle. Until until one day somebody came and said, hey, you know, this is working 10%, this is working 20%, this is working 10%, this is working 5%. This is attacking the virus from there. This is blocking from there. Let's make a cocktail on all of these drugs and give them together, okay? And the cocktail today is what is working why these uh, diseases are coming. You know, it's it's not like an epidemic as it was, okay? Yeah, it's been incredible. So this is kind of... uh, a concept, you know, yeah, let's not give absolutely. one, let's give few that giving together. Usually cancer patients today, not getting one type of chemotherapy, they're not getting yep. one pill, they're getting a cocktail, they're getting a combination of chemotherapies. And this is the concept. The concept said, let's give few molecules, they're doing few actions together, okay? Attacking yep. the cells or attacking the system from different angles, make it more complicated for them to to defend something like that. Yes, okay? yeah. Plants harboring this complexity in house, you know, with them, yes. within. Yep. Cannabis is a good example because it's one plant that harboring hundreds of different compounds. 
but we have many plants that we know for years that people are using as medicines, but because of the complexity, we're not touching them. We're not really yes. using them as a medicine. Okay. More than that, now I'm saying plants that have few compounds that, that are complex, I can take it to the next level and said when you're going to the bushman, you know, or you're going to the physician three years, yeah. three thousand years ago, and you had, you know, you had the stomach ache or you had the, a fever, he wouldn't give you one plant. Usually, we take a leaf from here, a flower from here, a root from mm. here, smash mm -hmm. them together, and give you. It's true that part of that is placebo, but part of that it's a, a lot of knowledge of knowing that this is working and why it's working, for, probably because there are few compounds from this flower, few from yep. compounds from this leaf, few compounds from this root, that all together doing something that is bigger than the one that's doing alone. And I believe that we will see more and more and more studies, more and more pharma open the door for that. And yeah. cannabis open the door for that in the way that it's a plant, it's harboring a lot of molecules, and it's bringing within tons of money. And this is always, yeah. you know, the door, you know, my salary is always the same. And I don't, I'm, and I'm even embarrassed to say that here. But, uh, you know, the amount of the salary. But the amount that I raised to the lab in the last four mm -hmm. years give me the ability to recruit a huge team. Yes. To yeah. buy the best equipment that I can think. And today, it doesn't matter which plant I'm taking. I have a student, I have a PhD student that collects 96 different algae from the Mediterranean Sea. We did an extract to all of them. We screened them on different diseases. We purified compound from them. For me today, it doesn't matter which plant it is. It can be cannabis. It can be ayahuasca. Yeah. It can be ibogaya. It can be ibogaine. It can be a, a, a psychoactive, a, a, you know, mushrooms. I have the methodology. I have the team. I have the, all the equipment, the tools. Yeah. the tools to take it, to analyze all the compounds, to screen on many different diseases or illnesses to see where it's affecting and starting to dive into and understand the mechanism and to do this combination if okay yeah. part of what i did in the last years i opened a, a private company so i have my my own lab that mm -hmm. uh, 40 something people and i have a company that's sitting not far from here that having another 45 scientists okay oh, wow okay so altogether, we are a team around 90 people that's working, okay? Yeah. And the reason I opened the company that I didn't have more space here, and also I need very senior people that will do things that are beyond my ability. When you're taking students, you need to teach them. You need to be right. to guide them. But to take very, very, very senior people very, that, that you know, can manage a, a, a whole research that I needed to be out of the academia. So yeah. together with the Technion, Technion is partnered with this uh, company. We opened Canasol, Cannabis Solution or Cannabis ah, Sol, you know. Okay. Sol. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, and these companies, first of all, give me a lot of service. I'm buying service from them. You know, if I need to purify yeah. the compounds, I want to, to take cannabinoids and put a, 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 a fluorescent tag that I can sure. follow up yeah. in the mice, whatever they are doing for me. But also, we did few things in Canosol that are 
trying to open the gate and to open the idea that we just said now, okay? Because there, I, in in the lab in academia, I'm kind of limited, but sure, yeah. In, in yeah. company, you can you can do whatever you want without limitation. So what we did, one of the things we we opened kind of a, a sub company called MyPlan. What this company did, we create different twenty different cell models for different diseases. Okay, mm-hmm. and we kind of giving a service. You are a breeder today, and you coming to me and say, "Daddy, look, I'm breed amazing. I have you don't believe what I have. I have a strain that you must test them, <laughs> and I have it in every conference. At least fifteen people like that come approach. Oh them. yes, yes, I'm sure. What do you mean? What do you mean amazing strain? It's good for make me sleepy or make me alert. You know, it's made will. <laughs> what do you mean? What is good? If I have a high sugar in my in my blood or low sugar, it's the opposite. What do you mean good? Good for what? Oh no, Daddy, that I need you to check. You know. <laughs> so what we did, we developed twenty cell models for different diseases, and I'm giving service. And you have a new breed. You think it's important? You want to test? this new mushroom, psilocybin mushroom or yep. whatever, you want to take it, I will run them on 20 different diseases and will give you a report saying how it affects each disease and how it's comparing to everything that I test today. Do you have a blockbuster? Do you have something that we never saw? Yeah. Or, you know, it's another thing. It's the average of how it's affecting them. In, in, in the COVID-19 now, we had a lot of work because part of our systems is virus uh, infection uh, or, mm-hmm. or uh, inflammation, cytokine storms. So right. many companies send us materials, not even plant materials, things that they want to test. Okay. So as a concept, I'm giving you this file and say, this is yours. You know, I, I'm just, I'm taking $10,000 for 20 sprints like that, three repeats, and I give you a file. If you work in a laboratory, you know that I'm losing money if I'm taking $10,000 for yep. 20 screen three repeats, okay? But it's fine, okay? That's what I'm, it's yours. You're getting the file. What I'm getting that? What, what is the business model behind it or the, right. the scientist model? First of all, I'm the first one to see the blockbuster, okay? Yes. To see yep. the amazing things. And usually... I will come to the person that sent it to me. He's a grower, he's a breeder, he usually is not a scientist, not a professor in the university. And mm-hmm. said, hey, John, you don't believe, I never saw a material that blocking insulin like that. This is crazy. It's working 20, 100 times better than the best drug that I saw. First of all, let's try to define which molecules are inside. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm an expert for that. I can help you. And then you can write an IP, whatever. Second, let's take it to a mice model. Let's take it to a real science lab group. I'm, yes, not, yeah. I'm not forcing you to do that with me. I'm just offering. And I believe that a lot of people will stay and do that with me. So it's kind of exciting to see that. But more than that, and much more important, I'm creating a huge database on many materials, on 20 yeah. different diseases, the molecules, yes. And how maybe I can combine them. If we go to the HAV, if I see that this kind of awaska that you send me mm-hmm. is reducing 20% of the insulin absorption, you know, 
because it's blocking them. And I will see that this flower is doing that. And I will see that that yeah. doing that. I can combine it to something that giving a whole as a better commitment. We will never define it if I wouldn't, if, if it won't be that way. And it's kind of taking the, the, the you know, the old physician or the herbal medicine, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 you know, the, uh, the, all these uh, tribe physician and do it. The shaman. The shaman, exactly. The shamans and do it what they are doing in an accurate, scientific, yep. uh, modern way. But the concept is quite the same. You know, which leaf, which, which flower, which I need to combine yep. to get a treatment that none of the other single one will, will succeed. So, so this is, I, I totally believe in that. I totally believe in this, you know, world. And it's extremely excited. You know, I started to work in the last year with the, um, you know, what people call the magic mushrooms or, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, psychoactive mushrooms. And, and again, you know, I never tried that. It's, I'm, my life is good enough that I would, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm, I'm af kind of afraid of whatever. It's not, not for me. Don't want to risk disrupting a good I thing. Don't, I, I don't want to risk my brain exactly, you know. Um, but I think, you know, if somebody is taking two grams of something and he see flowers, he think he's avatar, he think he's flying, it's probably very potent, okay? <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And, and there is hundreds and thousands of these kind of mushrooms. So it's kind of, yep. kind of like the cannabis. It's very similar, 60, yeah. Six years ago, you know, everybody said THC, CBD, cannabis. Okay, guys, there is all the rest and there is the entourage effect and there is Tons of things. So people said magic mushrooms also been fine, guys. There are hundreds of species, and every one of them doing different things. We understand that. It's a, but for me, I have all the tools today to run very fast with them. So what I want to say, I had a, a podcast in Australia two weeks ago, and it was more than two weeks. And somebody asked me, the audience, that do I think that. And uh, these mushrooms will be as big as cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I told them, guys, cannabis, it's a plant. Mushroom, it's a kingdom. Yes. You know? Yes. We are not, so what I want, my message here, we are not even starting to scratch the beginning yes. of understanding the unknown in the plant medicinal kingdoms, that yeah. it was more, too complicated till now to touch it. And yes. I think we reached the point that we started to open this, uh, you know, this box. Yeah, I mean, you're describing something that I, I'm part of my role as an educator is to try to get people to to see this and be excited about. But what you're highlighting is that we're in a very special period of time where just like in in years before when new technologies, new methods come about, that all of a sudden enable us to look at biology and, and things in a different way and gain new insights. We're going through, you know, sort of a kind of gestalt shift um, again right now um, with these that, you know, that you've been such an integral part of developing these new tools, new methods, um, ways of making these methods very efficient and fast. Um, 
and and gaining perspective. I, I agree with what you said that cannabis kind of um, it opened the door and it gave us a a perspective that now can be applied to everything to natural products broadly, um, and it's it's something that when I talk to younger people that are going into grad school right now or about to come out of grad school and are thinking about getting into uh, either cannabis research or they want to get into psychedelics or just natural products in general, you know, I try to impress upon them that there's so, so much research to be done. Like sometimes these students feel like uh, most of the stuff has been tapped, you know, we know so yeah, much. We and- the drink. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, that's that's a perceptual problem, because when you wrap your head around where we've come from and where we're at now, you start to see this immense landscape ahead of you um, that is largely unexplored. We've so much of this research has highlighted our own ignorance um, and and just inability to see, you know, like when you don't have the tools, you just can't go there. And now we have these tools. We have these ways of starting to chart um, the biological landscape um, even further. So it's an extremely um, exciting time to, I, I think, to be a biologist, to be a natural products researcher. Um, and like you said, I my background is similar in that I'm very much interested in medicinal plants broadly, and, and cannabis is a member of that, you know, group of that focus of research. But um, I'm very interested to see how these, what insights we gain by applying these tools and methodologies to all sorts of natural plants, and certainly psychedelic plants and fungi are becoming sort of the the hype right now. Especially like in where I live in Oregon, in the United States, we just legalized the medical use of psilocybin uh, this year, um, which is a we're the first state in the country to do that. Um, and so we are stepping into, um, sort of a new world because we're now going to have some models to, um, start to collect patient data, to start to do chemical analyses, which I'm very interested in, um, on all of these different, I'll just say psilocybin products, because like you said, there's all these different, uh, species. And then within species, you have all these strains, um, of, of fungi that have psilocybin and other psilocin and all these other compounds in them. Um, but then diving into this complexity, what compounds, um, when presented together, provide the, the most efficacious result for depression or PTSD, you know, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, anybody listening, I really try to impress just how special of a time we're living in. Um, and, you know, honestly, you know, just going back to how impressed I am with your, your lab and the, the models that you've made. I mean, this is something that in my 10, 15, 20 year plan, I, I hope to try to build something akin to, to what you've been doing, um, but try to get this happening um, in states like, like Oregon, where, you know, now we, we have the ability not just to study cannabis, but to study psilocybin products. We also in Oregon just decriminalized all drugs. Um, and so that also changes what we can do on a research side. Um, and that's that's going to, to continue to play out. So trying to figure out ways to take the insights that groups like yours have have developed and say, how can we 
replicate those kinds of models? How can we, you know, try to institute similar programs and then start to work towards international collaboration and sharing these data sets and and start to really, um, I guess, see the bigger picture around a lot of these natural products. Um, that's a a big thing. That's <clears throat> a big thing. That's that's on my mind. Um, to sort of change gears just a little bit, because before we wrap up, there was another study, another paper that you published, uh, I think this year, about transcriptomes um, of cannabis uh, strains. And I I wanted to ask you about that because um, when I presented that paper to other people, um, sometimes people like, uh, why do we care about um, mRNA and what does this mean? What's the sort of context for how this is going to affect medical cannabis in the future. So to kind of change gears completely here, I wanted to just ask you if you could briefly describe um, one, what you learned from that research of looking at the transcriptomes of these uh, different strains of cannabis, but also why is that interesting and important? And what are the implications as this sort of transcriptome transcriptome research um, continues and you understand on a sort of genetic level more of what's going on with these strains? So un understanding the pathways, how, how the plant create the cannabinoids and which cannabinoids, what are the pathways, give us tools to, first of all, to learn in early stages of, of the plant okay? and yeah. then how to change things that will be better and then uh, so we are doing that with plants, with all the plants for years. You know, we want plants yeah. that are growing um, in most, you know, that will be stronger, less affected to pesticides, uh, other yeah. things. Yeah. And, uh, so we're trying to make, first of all, the plants better, to be stronger, to give more products, to grow faster, and all of this. Mm -hmm. But in cannabis, we are not talking about just the tomato to make more tomatoes and it will be a little bit sweeter and redder and, uh, and, and nicer and to have more product. We're talking about another fact that the combination of the compounds are important to the medicinal effect. Right. And understanding the pathways that the, that the, that the plant produce these uh, compounds are extremely important. Just a moment. Yeah, no worries. Um, it's it's extremely important, and it, it's extremely important in order to create, a, to repeat the the treatment and to repeat mm -hmm. the, the grow, and right. and and to change. So, if we think that CBG is extremely important, and we want to strain with CBG, how are we creating a strain now that having 16% CBG, but very low amount of uh, THC and CBD, uh, because it can affect that. If we learn that uh, a molecule 3318 is extremely important to leukemia, and now we need uh, a higher amount of that, how we cause the plant to produce more. If you know the genetics, if you know what are the pathways they're producing, what are the enzymes, what are they, you can start to look for that, first of all. Yeah. And, and second, maybe to change it. So one of them is, is screening. You get a tool to screen just a moment. If I have this 
protein, if I have this enzyme, if I have this one, this mRNA, this plant will be like that. You don't need to grow mm -hmm. that uh, for three months and then to take flowers and then to check. You can, as a seedling, uh, uh, check that. Yeah. And this is extremely important because you can do things in in large way. Uh, this is one side. The other side, you can create plants by breeding, by genetic, by CRISPR. So, you know, if somebody don't like a GMO, I can understand that. There is other ways. You can just do the right breeding. Right. You understand the mechanism. You said, okay, this plant doesn't have almost THC because this pathway is blocked because this is this mutation. If I will mate that with this plant, I will get this pathway here and that pathway here. Yeah. This is breeding, okay? But yeah. these are this is smart breeding when you know what you're doing and not a blind, okay? So so this is the importance of, of that. My lab is less um, dealing with it, even though this is my PhD, I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. But I'm usually working with the growers or breeders and and or you know companies to help them to first of all define the molecules, the active molecules, to analyze it for them, and second to think with them together what what will be the things that will be needed, what is interesting, what what else right. so. And so I will tell you, you know, I saw, uh, I had, I got uh, from one of the breeders in Israel, a plant, a unique plant, it was kind of a mutation for him, that having, uh, I just said that a 17, 18% CBG, zero THC, zero CBD. And when we ran that, we were fascinated to see that you can now describe what exactly the pathways, like which arms are creating what are the THC family, what is the CBD right, family, right. and what is not. Because all the cannabinoids and terpenoids that are part of the pathways that creating THC and then, you know, downstream uh, uh, sub-cannabinoids uh, are just disappear. And yep. you can see literally, you said, oh, there is just nine cannabinoids left. And these are the cannabinoids that are totally not related to this pathway, that pathway. So there is something that is, it's not just, um, you know, there is a very, um, very specific reasons why to do that in order to make the plant better, in order to make the combination, the entourage effect better with them. Um, with a smart way, not the, the line. Yeah. This is, you know, this is science. Yeah, and so you can basically create these um, mRNA profiles for for different strains and partner that data with other tools um, to to look at what's going on with the plant and everything, so that you can essentially make um, very targeted, informed decisions. Um, all the way, all the way um, up, I guess upstream to uh, the point of choosing uh, which genetics you're actually going to cultivate, um, as well as being able to understand just the the synthetic pathway mechanism. It reminds me almost um, the CBG example. It almost makes me think of like how researchers have studied um, just pharmacological activity of cannabinoid receptors and 
uh, like doing knockouts in order to to see well what else is still at play. Okay, well now yeah. we understand. You know that this is uh, very important to this, but not for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Again, you know, it's not uh, the bread and butter of my lab. I have a kind of cell biology animal model lab, and not I'm not a grower. Um, but because my background is from there it's something that i'm being attracted to and, and be part of yeah. and, and we can help on that a lot and and that's what we're doing um i think in this field of uh, breeding creating a new combination of strain again we are just starting yeah not to, to understand what what can be done i think there will be quite soon other plants that are harboring cannabinoids mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a, a tricky thing because they're kind of legal. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have all the phytocannabinoids inside; it's just not cannabis. I saw yeah. the last year twice. One of them extremely interesting with the unique cannabinoids inside cannabinoids that I didn't see in the cannabis, but also the regular one. And I'm not talking about, you know, I, I was familiar with eight different plants that harboring cannabinoids, mm-hmm. but in a very low amount, you know, 0.001 yeah. CBD. You were talking about plants that have percentage of the, mm-hmm. not, not in mm-hmm. the flowers, in, you know, in the leaves, so you can be, get bigger biomass. And this is another thing that uh, going, I think, to surprise us uh, quite soon. You know, it yeah. can change. In Israel, the law said, cannabis and it's all parts mm-hmm. okay this is the law uh, cannabis on all parts and under the medicine it's illegal uh, you know recreational it doesn't say cannabinoid if i want to buy synthetic yeah. cannabinoid produce it in years time it's legal so if now you have a plant that have cannabinoids but it's not cannabis it's totally legal yeah which is a tricky business here which yes uh, uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this touches on uh, what I was mentioning earlier, that I'm I'm really fascinated to see how the the concept of cannabinoids in general evolves, um, because that just that term cannabinoid, it has sort of a muddy history now, because it sort of came about because of trying to identify the the active compounds in cannabis. And, you know, so the cannabinoid term, you know, obviously relates to cannabis and then that term gets applied to the receptors you know that um how its team found and you know and then later so it's uh, but now when you when you look at these plants that you know like i can't remember the species but that rhododendron plant that has a uh, a compound that's very very similar in structure to cbd um with some very sort of minor uh modifications and it brings up this dilemma of like when we see compounds like that or that are so structurally similar to phytocannabinoids that we're accustomed to seeing in cannabis are those compounds cannabinoids or not um and then and then you get into this muddy concept that you sort of alluded to earlier of the endocannabinoid system and really the endocannabinoid dome it's like well okay we can start to see do these compounds affect cannabinoid receptors well even if they don't that doesn't mean that they are um not affecting endocannabinoid, you know, signaling pathways or or other things. Maybe they're interacting with TRPV1 receptors or PPARs or um, 
you know, the myriad of, of other receptors that are being included in the endocannabinoid dome now, or maybe they're altering the biosynthesis of, um, you know, inacyl ethanolamines or something, you know, there's all of these different aspects now of ways to think about what is a cannabinoid, what are the functions, um, so yeah, I'm I'm very very interested to start looking into other plants with this um, sort of new perspective, um, and to look at compounds that we've identified in in other plants that have been well known for a long time. I mean, a lot of these um, fatty acid derived compounds in the body that we've known about for a long time, like now we're seeing them in a in a different way, and I I see that taking place across natural products uh, science in in general. Um, so it's, yeah, I totally agree. I think as we continue down this road, we're going to see more and more plants that have, if we don't call them cannabinoids, we'll definitely call them cannabinoid-like. Um, and, and this concept of the entourage effect, I think is going to get muddier and muddier because everything's, all of this stuff is interconnected. You can't, like you were saying at the very beginning of the episode, and maybe this is a good way to wrap things up. You can't, you really can't tease these things out in isolation. They all are connected to other systems um and so it's it's just funny the way we use these words endocannabinoid system cannabinoid cannabinoid receptors and when you really start to dive into it and really um submerge yourself in the the complexity of of these molecular interactions um these words almost start to become meaningless because you start thinking more about the actions and not really so much about the labels that we place upon the molecule or the receptor. And um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a fascinating future of cannabinoid science, to say the least. That's ahead of us. I, I agree. I think we're, you know, you said about the people that you are teaching kids or students that's feeling that they are missing the train. I think we we didn't finished to put the railroad yet, you know, like, yes. we're just starting to understand that we want to, we're starting to understand that we want to get to the journey, we don't even start to put the railroad, so there is a lot to do, and it's fascinating, and, and you now somebody asked me in a conference a year ago, is it, isn't it frustrating me to work in a field that uh, so much unknown, I said, no, this is my job, this is my, that, that if it's known, I'm not there. I'm not doing uh, the research. Yeah. This is scientist. This is research, and so I think it's so much unknown, and their potential is so big and so fascinating that we are lucky to be part of that. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and and with that, that's a a great place for us to to start to wrap up here. Um, generally, the way I like to close out my episodes is I like to pass off the platform to the guests to kind of give any um, last comments as well as, you know, let uh, folks that are listening know how to learn more about the work that um, uh, both of your labs are doing um, as well as any um, presentations and things you have coming up. I know, um, I think you're a, a speaker at CanMed again um, next year and um, all of that sort of good stuff. So, um, with all of this, um, I'll go ahead and hand over hand over the platform to you. Let people know how to learn more and sort of what's what's on your horizons. So, uh, first of all, thank you for for getting me this platform to to speak. It's always a pleasure. 
I think if people want to learn more today, it's very easy with, uh, you know, computers and uh, internet, uh, you're writing my name. And there is, uh, you know, the TED Talk and other things that we did, our all the, the, the science that we're doing, we publish in scientific papers. So putting my name in PubMed, all the papers are coming out, but also in the site of uh, the lab, Meiri Lab or Teddy Meiri Lab, and my company called Canasol, and and they have uh, also uh, a site with all of the data, the details, the papers, what we're doing. I believe that the the job of a scientist is to create data and give it away. That's why I'm getting yes. salaries. So the data that I'm producing is when I really believe in that and I prove that it's real, and I can put my hand on that, I usually publish that. And whether it's in a scientific paper, whether it's in our site, whether it's in my company site, we're not hiding anything, you know. One of the first things that I told in, in my company in the beginning, when we started, they coming all from companies and business and everything is wide and not to transit. Right, If you want to lead, if you want to be the best one, if you want to run fast, First of all, you need to collaborate with everybody. Second, if if you will be in the place that you're afraid that somebody will, you know, steal from you and run faster than you, so you shouldn't be here. I if you feel that you are doing the best thing, the best work, the best, so you shouldn't be afraid of anyone. Just you know, that's, that's excellent that, advice. That's the that's the, the you know my message to my workers. You know be faster, better, more accurate than everybody else and then shouldn't care about what other people do, just lead. And and for that reason, I'm saying that because almost everything is there and it's easy to find and to read. I think, uh, you know, um, I, I think science in general, it's a puzzle. Mm -hmm. If you're a very good scientist, you're putting one piece of the puzzle. If you're an amazing scientist, crazy, Nobel Prize, you put few pieces on the puzzle. If you really want to see the picture, you need to connect that, uh, the dots together. And then, you know, what the Mars are doing in the last years is phenomenal. And what the other scientists are, are starting to do, do in this field is, is phenomenal. And we need to, to connect these dots together and to work together as much as we can. And I must say that in this field, there is a lot of passion yeah. and unique people. And I didn't face till today somebody that didn't want to collaborate or to share or to do, you know. I had something that I wanted my student to, to learn. I called uh, DiMarzo. We didn't spoke before that. I said, hey, you know, so they, okay, I read your stuff. And my student just fly uh, to Quebec for three months and, and stayed in his lab to, to learn the method that he oh, did. Wow. Yeah. So this is one example, you know, where we're all sharing the data, we're all sharing the methods, we're trying to help each other. It's a newborn uh, field and we need to work together here. And that's it. I'm, I'm open. To everything you know to collaboration if somebody have any question you know i'm i'm quite busy unfortunately 
with uh, a lot of emails and a lot of that, but I'm trying to be uh, nice and open and collaborative and, and everything that we have, we are sharing. So if some of the audience want to come to do a PhD, a postdoc, to learn in the lab, to spend time in Israel, to be part of what we're doing, if somebody will need help in his project out there, somebody need any help or collaboration, what we are here, that's what we're doing. That's beautiful. That's most excellent. And and on that note too, knowing how busy you are, I can't articulate how appreciative I I am that you've been willing to chat with me for over two hours here. Um, it's been really great, and I've enjoyed the conversation just as much as I knew I would. Uh, like I said, I've been wanting to to talk to you for a long time, so this has been really, um, really great for me on multiple levels, not just a professional level, but also a personal level. Um, especially I. Before we talked, I didn't realize how extensive of a background you had running um, the medicinal plant gardens and all of that, which uh, just makes me um, appreciate you even more because I, I connect with that on a on a very personal level. So um, this has been um, very, very, uh, very, very awesome for me. And I hope that everyone that's listening, um, if you've if you have been listening, you should have learned quite a lot because there was a lot of information shared here. Some of it kind of sprinkled in and, and hidden but if, if you have the right ears you'll you'll hear some some really great things in here um so i hope this has been valuable to all of you listening if you've made it the whole two hours uh that's amazing god bless you for making it um the whole way um but with that um everyone that's listening um you know go look at, at dr mary's work you know like you said you can go on pubmed google scholar whatever um type in his name and you'll you'll find tons and tons of of papers. And if you want to learn more about Curious About Cannabis and the educational work that we're doing, um, you can visit our website, cacpodcast.com, um, or check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, and with that, everyone listening, um, stay curious and take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you want to learn more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book on Amazon.com and other major online book retailers. 